0: Hey, everybody, this is Alex Merced from alexmerced.com, and this is Inflation and Deflation 101. And the purpose of this video is one that... I've done a video on money, so if you haven't watched my video on money 101, I recommend watching that, and my Monetary Policy 101 video, uh, which give you a good foundation for what I'm going to be talking about in this video, where I'm going to be talking about what is inflation, what is deflation, and why does it matter? Okay, usually the, the, the textbook stories is basically... Which is fairly accurate. It's inflation is too many dollars chasing too few goods. So, basically, think about it this way. Let's pretend instead of money, you have, there were vouchers for a, a, a slice of cake. There's 10 vouchers for a slice of cake, and there are 10 slices of cake. Okay? Um, cool. Now, let's pretend that I were to double the amount of vouchers... But there's still only 10 slices of cake. Okay, what's going to happen is that there's just not enough cake for 20 vouchers. So one of the things, one of a few different things are going to happen. Um, you'll just basically 10 people will not get cake or they're going to have to increase the cost of a slice of cake in terms of vouchers. So it'd have to be like two vouchers for one slice of cake. So that way, you know, there's enough cake to equal out the amount of money there is. Now, this is a simplified sort of world because at the end of the day, in the real world, you might have two different things that you want to buy. So let's say these vouchers were good for cake and pizza, and you're the same sort of ratio. So let's say you had five slices of pizza and five slices of cake and ten vouchers. Okay, the same, but then you doubled it. Okay, now would both of them go up in price the same? depends on, you know, with the people who actually hold those vouchers, what do they prefer? So if the majority of the people who own vouchers preferred pizza, the pizza would probably see a greater price increase. But in general, you're seeing a, a you're going to see a price increase somewhere, because there's more money. Okay, so that's, that's inflation. Okay, so the idea um that you print more money and then also inflation and sometimes can even exasperate itself so theoretically sometimes inflation doesn't happen because what happens is let's say you create those extra vouchers for cake well then the bakery is going to be like hey sweet there's more people who want cake let me make more cake so it actually might spur some level of production but what happens if the vouchers are being created faster than the baker can bake cake then you're going to have inflation. So there's all sorts of other variables. So in essence, like the ability for people to produce the goods that people want to use money to buy, um, the alternatives that people have to buy, they're going to affect, you know, how each individual price is going to go up. But in general, you'll see inflation in prices. So, and then again, some people will sit there and argue, well, the, some economists originally used the word inflation not to refer to an inflation in the price level. And instead, they were referring to an inflation of the money supply. Okay, At the end of the day, the, what matters is not the terminology more than the effects. So I'm going to try to be as clear in my terminology by using the term inflation in the price level versus inflation in the money supply to be clear as possible. Because okay, I don't want to be stuck in a debate about who used the word which way. Which does matter when you're reading somebody else's text from a long time ago. So definitions do matter when you're reading what somebody else is saying. You want to make sure you understand how they meant what they said. But then when you listen to somebody else, that's the extent of which definitions matter. So that way we know what we're saying to each other. Um, the fact that you may use a definition def- differently does not necessarily mean what you said is wrong in you may not be communicating in exactly the same terms. So clarifying terms is always a good idea. So deflation would just be the opposite. Let's say there was only five vouchers and ten cakes. Well, what happened is that unless you lowered the price of a voucher and said, hey, you know, half a voucher for a slice of cake, you're going to have all this cake left over and, and it's just going to go bad. And that's, and that's bad too. Okay, well, that's a, a thing too. I wouldn't say it's bad or good. Neither inflation or deflation are not necessarily bad or good things. These are just economic responses to changes in the reality of the relationship between money and the amount of stuff there is. Now, the reason why people look at inflation and deflation as bad or good is because of the consequences, more the psychological factors that happen in the economy, okay? So, when you have inflation, what happens is there's a couple different things that happen. If you own assets, so like if you own property or if you own really anything other than money, the value of the stuff you own is going to go up and that's going to make you feel good. This is referred to as the wealth effect. So, you're like, oh, my, my house value has gone up. I can borrow against the equity. I feel richer. That's not necessarily a bad thing. If you owe money, since there's more money in the economy, technically in, in realms of purchasing power, you may still owe, let's say, 10 vouchers, but your 10 vouchers may only be worth now five slices of cake. So in real actual resources, you, your debts have become less. So this is why a lot of people like inflation and they're always like, oh, we need some more inflation. But the other aspect of inflation is, is that it can create um, a psychological effect. In other ways in the sense that let's say you have inflation and you've had sort of this increase in prices that you've just you your expectation becomes that you just expect it to happen you expect that your income is going to go up three percent a year your assets are going to go up three percent a year so the result is you um the result is you end up uh uh, borrowing more money because you expect that you're going to have the the income expected to to uh, manage that debt. So, in an inflationary environment, people are going to be willing to b- borrow more money because they expect that their incomes, their wealth, will be higher in the future to support that debt, which is totally fine if that's the case and theoretically. But again, nothing goes up forever. So then, what happens is that people begin to accumulate debt, and eventually, what happens is that they may not be increasing their income as fast as they thought. So then, what happens is that they're accumulating more debt faster than their increasing their ability to support that debt um, and then that gets that becomes that has roosters to roost one way to think about it is if you ever max out a credit card maxing out a credit card is really fun okay it's so like you can buy whatever you want whenever you want it's great until you hit the max of the credit card in which case you're gonna have to spend a whole lot of time eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches to pay off that debt okay so it's essentially a boom bust. The boom is you maxing out the credit card, and the bust is you paying it off, okay, and then once you've paid it off, you can go boom again so that's part of that's the part of the bad things that people expect from inflation, okay then um, there's a lot more of things to worry about now in deflation, what people oftentimes think that's bad is because if you have debts, well now you used to owe you originally owed ten vouchers that purchased ten cakes. But now because of deflation, your 10 vouchers would have bought 20 cakes. So now you owe 20 cakes worth of wealth. So your debts get magnified. Also, you have kind of a reverse wealth effect. All your assets are going down in value. So you're very sad. Um, so that's the, so there's that psychological effect, sort of that reverse wealth effect. Um, and then two... Um, This one, I think, is less of a thing where people say, well, you know, people expect that stuff's going to go down in price. Like if you expected that a house is going to go down in price, uh, maybe you'll put off buying a house, which I don't think most people really think about houses and most big capital investments that way. Generally, you buy a house, you buy a house because it's time for you to buy a house because you plan on starting a family. Now, yes, if you're buying property for an investment, that might affect your decision making. But in general, that also means there'll probably be a decrease in the price of inputs. So eventually, as long as you have the same profit margin, you'll be okay. So basically, if the price of houses drop by 50%, but the price to build a house drops by 50%, then you're still in the same place that you were before. Now, it does suck for the person who already owned the house, but I mean, this is this is the reality of uh, of, well, owning stuff. So essentially it's just the opposite. But then what happens is that people don't borrow people don't borrow enough. Basically what happens money becomes underutilized because because of that reverse wealth effect and you'll have the opposite effect where basically the economy is growing a lot slower than it could because people aren't are too scared to actually make decisions. That's sort of the reason why people fear inflation and deflation. Now the, at the end of the day, inflation and deflation in the price level occurs for more reasons than just monetary reasons, okay? Uh, there could just be an increase in demand of a particular good, so maybe It's just more stuff that uses steel. So steel goes up in price. That's not necessarily monetarily related, meaning the amount of money. And that's not necessarily a bad or a good thing. These are just all things responding to the new reality. It just gets weird when you start manipulating these things for the sake of manipulating these things to create these psychological effects. Because what you're doing is you're pushing people off directions they probably otherwise wouldn't have been, which oftentimes the path they would have taken they would have taken for certain reasons that are not always clear from a policymaker's perspective and you create sort of misallocations people making mistakes one way to think about the economy is i think of it like a puzzle that in all of our decisions we're constantly trying to put together this puzzle figuring out like this piece of capital goes here this piece of labor goes here and when we get these puzzle pieces right the puzzle gets bigger and we get closer to completing the puzzle But if we get steered off in the wrong direction, we may end up putting a whole bunch of pieces in the wrong spot. And then once we realize that we put those pieces in the wrong spot, we don't just keep building the puzzle. You have to take those pieces out and then re-put them back in the right spots. That's kind of like a recession. Okay? But often, so, I'll leave it at that. I want to get into stimulus and all that stuff because this is not about boom and bust. But other issues to think about in money are not just sort of the price effects of money, but also the the uh, effects of money production, like how does the money enter the economy. So there's different ways money gets created, whether it's like a gold standard where miners who mine gold end up basically effectively creating money. Or if it's a sort of government-run monopoly money where government just produces the money and just generally puts it into the economy through, through banks. Or if it's like a cryptocurrency where it's made by crypto bank miners or people who stake their currency but the bottom line is there is there's no such thing as sort of a neutral money there's always going to be someone who gets rewarded as the creator of the money and they're always going to essentially have more purchasing power at the point of production what i mean by that is prices don't change right away because people don't aren't thinking oh well the money supply is this so the price should be this no, it's cheap. people are responding to people's behavior. So people, there's more money in the economy. I notice more people are buying my steel, um, so I realize I can raise the price a little bit. It's it's not like oh I, I know X changed, so I'm gonna go change Y. It's not, people aren't that mechanical. So in that case, if you're the person who gets the money before it's been spent through the economy, you're gonna have more purchasing power. Um, you're gonna benefit from that. So the first person to get the money is gonna get more value out of that unit of money versus the last person to spend that money. This is where I always kind of get into the image, the idea of a pile of stuff that money basically is access to a pile of stuff. And this is the way I always imagine it. So when we work, when we produce things to earn money, we're adding to the pile of stuff. So that's why the money maintains its value. Cause for, for every dollar we're taking in where we, we take, we're adding to the pile of stuff that can then be purchased with that money. And this is where redistribution get, where redistribution of income gets really weird because you're moving who gets the money without necessarily changing the amount of stuff. And that can create a problem. Or if you print money and you don't add to the pile of stuff, that creates a problem. That's kind of where all these price effects come from. Cool. And if you always have that image, it just kind of makes it easier to think through. But, I mean, if you're the government, then banks are going to have the benefit. This is why banks, are when you have a it makes sense for a government to inject money through the banks because banks who inject the money through loans are going to be the best people to sort of determine who should get this loan. But at the same time, banks are going to have a huge financial benefit from it. And because they're financially sophisticated, they get to really maximize that benefit. So, um, you know, that leads to them power. And if you're a cryptocurrency miner, you're going to get the best bang out of those cryptocurrencies that you mine because basically you're going to get them at full purchasing power. Um, Although catch-22 in cryptocurrency world uh, values fluctuate quite a bit so we're you know we're still we're still kind of seeing how that plays out but these are other reasons why inflation and deflation matter but again in a real sense assuming that you know a lot of these psychological effects were out of the matter or if people were just were given time to deal with changes in the world most of these things really don't matter in the long run. For example, let's say you did have persistent deflation in Pico... And then when I say deflation, there's different reasons why deflation happens. Deflation could be happening because people feel pessimistic and people aren't spending money, so prices drop. And again, I'm, use, I'm using deflation as a deflation in the price level, not a deflation in the money supply. Although that would have the same effect as well. <clears throat> and and though that might be bad. But if deflation occurs... But if deflation occurs because but if deflation occurred because of productivity increases, because basically we're able to produce more stuff quicker. And now there's just a lot more stuff relative to money, that's not necessarily a bad thing. that's a very good thing. And this is what you see in like laptops and most technology. We, we make technology better, faster, quicker. So then what happens, you see the prices go down because the cost of producing the technology, the ability to produce the technology is constantly getting better. And people realize it's going to happen, but they don't suddenly stop buying laptops. Now, what people do do is they may lease things. So oftentimes when you start having a particular good or service where you start seeing sort of persistent price deflation in that particular good or service, they might shift the business model to leasing. So like people lease a car because they know once they drive that car off a lot, it becomes worth less. And that way they can re-up to a better model down the road. Point is, people can adjust. People do adjust when they're allowed to. Also, when they expect that they have to. Which gets into, again, other psychological effects. If, if government always responds to deal with psychological effects before people do, then that also kind of sets a precedent and also will make it, will retard or slow down the ability for individuals to respond. Because people respond out of habit. They respond out of trends, out of patterns. So if the pattern is someone else will deal with it before I do, that's kind of how they're going to they're gonna assume that and deal with it that way vice versa if people aren't if somebody if an external force doesn't deal with these problems before the individual does then they'll in the future expect that they have to i mean this is sort of uh i've talked about in the past the difference between frequency and depth of of problems when you have small problems that happen more regularly you expect problems to happen so you're you're oftentimes more prepared for them to happen Okay, this is why when we used to have like frequent banking panics, that's saying that we should have frequent banking panics, but when you used to see in the eighteen hundreds, it wasn't the end of the world every time it happened. Because it wasn't entirely unexpected. People take measures. But when you had like two thousand eight, when you had like a huge banking failure, you know, when things like that hadn't happened for such a such a long time, people are caught off more off guard. So oftentimes a lot of times government intervention cannot postpone inflationary deflationary events forever but what they can do is over the amount of time that they can delay them retard people's ability to respond more effectively and more nimbly um, creating a situation where basically everyone's just sitting around waiting for a government response so now i'm kind of getting away from my original topic but i think that was a point worth making so hopefully you guys found that interesting again i was just trying to delve into some little nuances in this topic that uh, we may not have talked as much about but you guys have a great day and enjoy